All right, let's go ahead and do it. Episode 266 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. 266 seems like a huge number, Sean. How the hell did that happen? I think I need to count the number of times when we mention the episode number that you go, how could we possibly... I, but that, what? I mean, like, so you like, you it's know, a real... that, that whole bit about the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Yeah. I remember the first couple steps and they were not cool. We were not good. We, no. we sucked. I'm not <laughs> saying we're good now, but we were way less but good back then. But now we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. No, we, I mean, we've gotten better. We I think sure. we found our rhythm. Tight, Episode 266 of the Brian Oak Show. I like that new order song, by the way. Oh, man. So last night I was inspired because last night, uh, Peter Hook, who broke off famously from the rest of New Order some time ago was in the First Avenue main room last night. If it wasn't a school night, I would have been there. He was there from the Joy Division yes. days. And last night, apparently, he played uh, both Closer and Unknown Pleasures in their entireties in there. Wow. And now people said universally, you know what? Not a great vocalist. And I'm like, compared to Ian Curtis, not yeah, a great exactly. vocalist? Ouch. Okay, yeah. well, but that's fine. But I mean, the memories and the nostalgia and the important moment in post-punk that that represented was pretty cool and apparently threw in some New Order songs. But that right there is New Order's very first release after the demise of Job uh, Movement, after the demise of Joy Division due to the suicide of Ian Curtis. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's I love later New Order, the much poppier stuff, the much dancier stuff, the much brighter stuff. But that era where they all of a sudden are without sort of their muse, right? And they're like, well, what are we, we going to do next? So it's this weird combination of the more poppy sensibilities uh-huh. of the other members without Ian Curtis there. And they're finding their way. So it's still cool and post-punk enough without being full-blown pop new order. I absolutely love that record. And so I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop since yesterday. Sadly, though, because I'm old and tired, didn't go. When's the last time you went out to a big show, Sean? A big show? Yeah. I did go see Brandy Carlisle a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, you last did? Last minute. Ask you a question. Yes. I've seen her live at a, a good size show yeah. four or five times. Now, again, we've all known, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I have a tendency towards the weepy. But during her shows, I will openly heave cry a minimum of three times. Was there any point during the show where you found that your eyes were getting a little sweaty? Actually, during the song, The Eye, which I think is phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Just because it's about all the chaos of life and trying to find some peace. There's so many. Her song, The Mother, I don't know if she did it at the show you saw. She did. Where she talked about her and her partner's adopted child. Yes. And... Woof, man. I mean, you want to talk about parenting heaviness and really nailing the bullseye. Brandy Carlisle's awesome. She probably did about seven covers, though. That's probably six too many, in my opinion. You think so? Yeah. Well, she, I mean, and she obviously has a killer catalog, but she's sort of entering a new phase of her career, which yes. I'm, I'm willing to let happen, you know? Yeah. She's kind of crossing over from indie darling to genuine star, which, uh-huh. I mean, good for her. Yeah, absolutely. But that's going to have to happen as she's trying to bring new people in and let people know she's there. Do you remember any of the other covers she did? Uh, Bowie. She did Bowie. Which uh, one? Stardust. and Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, it was a huge mistake. Oh, it yeah. didn't go over well? It just was really flat. Oh. It was like, this isn't, you shouldn't be doing and this. And that's not who she is. So, no. all right, well, best of luck to Ms. Carlisle in the future. Yes. And also, best I'm sure of luck to you. she's hating my criticism. Yeah, I right now, I she's probably writing a hasty and yep. sternly worded email to you as we speak. Was your last uh, big show uh, out in L.A.? The last big one that you went to? Yeah, it was. The Cruel World yeah. Festival? Yeah, and event. there was some chance I was going to go to Duran Duran tonight, but it's the end of a very long week, and I'm fucking done. My it's neighbors not, it's not were leaving with beer in their hands, getting ready to pregame. For Duran Duran. Nothing like driving a couple hours to a casino with an open beer <laughs> to really get yourself ready for a show. Speaking of, uh, this show is made possible by the good people at Smart Start MN. Sean and I will never encourage drinking and driving. In fact, we don't even encourage drinking. However, should you drink and drive and get popped, you're going to lose your license before you're even convicted. Smart Start MN can get you back into your vehicle in a much more timely and affordable fashion than you might ever believe possible. Now, you will still be facing an uphill battle. Having a DUI sucks out fucking loud, but they can help ease one of these really important parts of the situation. Yeah, it's already affordable, like Brian said, but uh, we'll make it even more affordable. You just go to uh, smartstartmn.com, 
slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. Now, I want to get to our guests right away because we have a couple of very well-respected and seasoned musical veterans from Minnesota joining us this afternoon. However, Sean, you know, you and I have both been in the business, you know, radio, whatever, sure. promotions yeah. for a long time. Yep. Every once in a while, you ask someone, hey, can I get a brief bio? And they respond, oh, they respond with something that they were like a, a Russian author from the turn of the 19th century. Yes. Yeah. It's literally, it's, it's more than a novella. I've, I've, I've read shorter short stories over the course of two weeks in uh, you know, English class back when I was a kid. <laughs> now, granted, all the parts of the story are important, but when you get two people in who've known each other for so very long and whose stories have intertwined so deeply, it's a lot. And so I'm not even going to talk about the bio. When we come back, <laughs> we, we are going to talk to Ben Glaros and Steve Rome because I, their stories, they're both well-accomplished. And highly recognizable, but oh my God, Ben! The next time I say brief bio, brief bio. Okay, at least at least, <laughs> at least one 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 half of what you sent me this time, preferably a third and a quarter would be even better. But we'll talk to these two gentlemen because they have a great show, Mustang '87, on the way in the very near future. In the meantime, though, uh, I just want to throw in this song real quick because I've had a very what's the right word hectic week, and I found myself in a lot of these. Thoughtful moments where I would retreat because things were so busy and I'd sit and I'd think and working at a record store is cool because every once in a while something comes through that you love so very, very, very much. And I haven't seen a copy of Cocteau Twins treasure on vinyl since the late 80s. And I had a friend who had one and we played it constantly and I have it on CD, but I haven't seen a vinyl copy in so very long and found one. Was it inexpensive? God, no. No, it was not. Was it a responsible choice to buy it? Again, probably no, but I don't really give a fuck. We're going to hear the Cocteau Twins and come back and talk to Mustang 87 right after this on The Brian Oak Show.
There we go. Lorelai by Cocteau Twins on the Brian Oak Show. Um, Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. Made possible by our good friends at Smart Start MN. And we're here in the Smart Start MN studios near 48th in Chicago. It's sort of a quiet, mellow, humid, rainy end of summer. Not like crazy hot dog days of summer. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a little moody out there, but that's fine. I mean, that's why you play music like that or The Cure, which we were just talking about. My guests today are Steve Rome and Ben Glaros. Now, they play together, or they're playing together very shortly in a combo known as Mustang 87. And we'll talk about the gig, we'll talk about that, but I'm going to go back to the beginning. Now, unfortunately, today's podcast is going to be close to two and a half hours long after I read the bio <laughs> that Ben has That's sent me. just reading the bio. I'm so sorry, Brian. Ben, you know. It was three in the morning. Time. It doesn't matter. It, you know it doesn't really matter, but holy cowboy, there's, there's just so much here to unpack. So what I'd like to do is go step by step through the first part of the bio here and ask you guys some questions is that all right well skip the embryo embryo and fetus (laughs) stage if you can let's go right into babyhood i was born a small okay anyway (laughs) um by the way steve i haven't even said hello how are you i'm great how are you i'm okay i'm all right i'm just it's friday i'm fried so that's why i'm a little a little edgy today you always wear a monocle and cape when you do these podcasts I, 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 I'm embarrassed I forgot my top hat. All right. I mean, and if the cape doesn't have a red lining on the inside, embarrassing. Yes. So Steve and Ben became friends. And now I love this actually part of this part of the story. You became friends as freshmen in high school back in the early 80s. No, well, no. okay. Well, yeah, you got to explain to me because you said junior high, right? I remember that in fifth grade. Are you kidding me? Fifth grade. You had uh, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. I remember meeting you in fifth grade, and then we were friends in sixth grade. Because remember when I ripped my fingernail off backwards up at Mount Mount Norris? Yes, yes. Now (laughs) I do. That that was that was the least convincing yes I've ever heard. Yes. So no lies, no lies. Uh, No, No. now I do. It's one of. And I need you to face the microphone and not our good friend Ben. So, so. uh, (laughs) Uh, But I mean, what I love about this is that the. The trusting and the true and the nurturing nature of your relationship <laughs> starts much earlier in your mind, Steve, than it does in Ben's. Well, we, um, I remember that we were acquaintances and friends in, of course, this is before <clears throat> anyone had licenses. And then um, I think we all got in jazz band together. Yep. With Mr. Magnuson, and I think that would have been around seventh grade, and that's where we Freshman met. Freshman uh, year, like I said. Yep. And, and, and so, because okay, Magnuson so, was at Moundsview High School. I, let's so, just say, let's just say our professional relationship began as, in, as freshmen at Moundsview. Okay. Now, yes, when you yes. say professional, I mean, the term technically means making money. Oh. You two were making money together back then? No, no, no. no. No, yeah, no, I bet you were, but we won't ask for any of those TMZ-type stories. Um, <laughs> but you're both in Moundsview. You know each other that long, and I love this part of the story because two of my dearest friends, I mean, we all have our inner crew, right, and people that you'll know until the day you die. A couple of them I met when I was 10 years old, and we're still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. The others I met in my late teens, and my whole inner crew have been part of my life for more than 35 years, and there's nothing that really replaces that. So you're in jazz band together. Steve, what's the very first instrument you play when you enter in jazz band? Oh, drums. I I, I started out as a drummer and was a drummer all the way until college. Are like you this- one of those musical, and I, I want you to take this term the right way, I've never used the word weirdo as a pejorative or derogatory, <laughs> but were you one of those weirdos who had an affinity for other instruments as well as percussion? I think I did. I wasn't any good at it, but I... That didn't matter, though, did it? Well, no, it was you know, fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I think, you know, uh, I would fool around on guitars and, and bass or whatever it was. We, we had a band that our friend Michael Ferrier helped form, and he was kind of like... Who's now in the band Fathom Lane, yeah? Yep, yep. Okay, so we right all on. go back to jazz Wow, band. that's wild. That, I mean, I, I'm not surprised in this town how deep the connections go and how it's not six degrees of separation, it's two degrees of separation <laughs> yeah. in everybody in this town. Yeah. It really is, but that's that's also wild and a fun part of the story. Yeah, so... What was the band called? Well, it started out as The Impossible Odds. It was a line from a Sticks song. Oh, I didn't know that. <sighs> you didn't know that? Now, hold on. How early Sticks? Because like, a lot of people love to make fun of Sticks. Impossible Odds. Oh, God. I don't know. Okay. But I mean, like, I, re- I recently <laughs> bought I recently I bought a consulting. record by Sticks that I've never heard of before called The Serpent is Rising, like early pre-Tommy Shaw Sticks. And it's fucking awesome. 
it's really good. Anyway, I'm sorry okay. to interrupt your story. The impossible odds, and then what happened? Then it turned to the odds, and then um, I think we had like a two or three year run. Yeah. And then it became the Tone the poets. poets. Okay, so when you're a band at that age, right, I mean, you play at talent shows, you play at a school assemblies. Do you play other places? I mean, are you doing other gigs any outside? Place, any place that'll let us, yeah. And we with the, the talent shows, like the Aquatennial, 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 Aqu- yeah, yeah. and the State Fair and stuff, that just, you know, we, we found ourselves in just bizarre, bizarre places. I'm sorry, places. so as teenagers, you found yourself playing at the State Fair? Yeah, we got to oh, play yeah. there. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, not a lot. We, no, but that's wild. Still, I mean, they're well. In, in the intervening years, they've become. It's a harder place to get into for anybody, right? Like even the free stages have George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, right? I mean, so and they obviously have dozens of stages throughout the fair. But that's that must have felt pretty cool when you're teenagers. Oh, it was great. Oh yeah, yeah it was... more people than I've played for since then <laughs> for sure yeah all right so you're burning through this thing you are you're like this is our future we are rock stars we are going to do this thing but then of course as we grow older we move in different directions what took you two apart from each other during the days of being in a band i mean you move to another part of the country you go to college what yeah. happens yeah so our band fizzled out uh our our junior year because um Michael and Paul, uh, two of the other band members, graduated and went up to Moorhead. Uh-huh. So then Ben and I shared a locker senior year, jazz band, Heck yeah. nerd, band nerds and all that. <laughs> and I remember we got to play one more show and we kind of had a reunion show and went up and opened for a group called Mile One and the Suburbs. And that would have been our last show. That would have been in December of 87. And we were a waiver band. We were waving hard. <laughs> and then, um, but then so then um, Ben and I both, um, I don't remember, I can only speak for myself, but I decided I was going to go to a place called uh, PIT, which was in L.A. It was Percussion Institute of Technology. And right around right. that time, McNally Smith, uh, which... What was it called before? Well, it was the yeah, it was called the Professional Guitar School. Oh. Yeah, originally you were going to go to PIT, I was going to go to GIT, yeah. which is in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. It's just like Votech for for musicians where you, all you got to do is play music. But. I didn't know there was a Votech for musicians. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up um, you know, after talking to different people, I ended up going to the University of North Texas cuz right. they had a good per- percussion program and that You was, weren't afraid coming from Minnesota to go to Texas? No, it was awesome. <laughs> was it? Did you enjoy your time there? For the most part. I mean, okay. the, the school where I was at was um, University of North Texas is in Denton. and But it's, <gasps> it's a... So there are no less than four or five bands from Denton, Texas that well, I adore a great deal. Yeah, I probably mm. might know. What's some. it near for those of us that don't it's, know where Denton, it's Texas It's about 40 miles north of Dallas. Okay. And, um, but I mean, it, it's not a, a, a bubbling metropolis by hmm. any stretch of the imagination, but the number of cool indie bands that have come out of Denton. So it's a college town. Is that why that happens? It's a college town. It's a lot bigger now. I actually was down there a year ago because one of my daughters is going to college in Texas. Yeah. Um, but, um, but the music program was really like cutting edge. So like, um, you had a lot of people from all over the country, um, you know, from New York, you know, from California, all over the country. So it was like this little bubble inside of, you know, kind of the university that it was really diverse and right. from all over the place. Let me ask you this. So you guys have a gig coming up together, and we'll talk about that in a moment. I also want to talk about your sort of two paths moving apart and then crossing back together. And I've really buried the lead because both of you have created a proper name for yourself in this town, and I haven't really talked much about it at all, but that is on purpose. What I'd like to do is hear a little music first, and then we could do a little more of the reveal. What's the first song we're going to hear here? Now, is, is it the both of you? Is this your music? No. Well, yeah. Steve just found out what I uh, what I submitted here. I got two uh, a couple of my tunes, um, it, uh, a couple of Steve's tunes where he completely recorded. We we've not really uh, uh, the one thing that we've done together here is. Are we going with first love no, no, song? No, no, no. I say let's <laughs> let's start with your song. Let's start with um. Don't get high. Okay, because okay. here's the deal. Okay, we got room for three songs, oh. so one of these is going to end up on the cutting room floor. Shit. 
So now you got to think about it. I'm still, I'm happy with my decision. All right, good. <laughs> Look, and, and the so last this. thing I'm here to do is, this is, this, although the almost every single other office in the building that we're in right now, where the Smart Start MN Studios are, is a therapy room. This isn't one of them. So you can save that shit for when you leave here. What song would you two like to hear first? Uh, well, Steve called Don't Get High, which is, which is, this is the one that we, that is actually recording of us together. This is my tune. I wrote this, uh. Oh, is this from that party last Yeah, time? yeah. So, okay, and, cool. and just, just, if I can just tell you quick, I, I wrote this, Please. um. And don't, don't rush. Take your time. Okay. Set the uh, scene. <laughs> well, so again, skipping ahead, but, but there was a, I, I wrote this at a, at a period of time where, uh, I was, um, we were playing together in this, in our jazz trio, which we had going in the nineties mm-hmm. and, just doing a lot of great, a lot of great gigs, but, but we were, I was still working my day job. I was, uh, you know, and we were doing these, we we're kind of doing jobbing gigs, you know, doing restaurants and weddings and stuff and kind of professional musician stuff. I really always wanted to do, but, um, in the meantime, I was, um, not paying attention to part of me that wanted to become a singer and a songwriter. And I just didn't feel like I had time to, to really get into it. So anyway, kind of a, slow sort of breakdown <laughs> period for me but this is the song that i got out of it that it was essentially about uh yeah um, sorry <laughs> no, no, go ahead. no no it it uh it was essentially about uh doing something to the degree where it didn't become it was no fun anymore and needing to move on to smoking something else. copious amounts of weed well there was that directly <laughs> yeah so some of it's pretty obvious some of it's well metaphor, i i but, i apologize you. for the pain that you had to go through. And I don't apologize. I guess I'm just sorry for the pain you had to go for. <laughs> but I'm glad that it gave us a good song. Let's give it a listen right now, shall we? Remember when those bars were locked and closed to us We had to sneak around to find our fun Reservoirs and graveyards were our habitats Train tracks, hidden beaches, forbidden brews Older now with license to go
satisfy my curiosity Guess I'm tracing that same rainbow to this day But I try and try and try and try and try And I don't get high That was recorded live, you say? Yes, it was. Where was it recorded? Uh, yeah, that was that was last year. That that was uh, Steve on Vibes at uh, the Capybara Lounge. Yeah, oh, that was really yep. good. I know the yep. Burns pretty well, yep. and awesome. um, they do a really cool, unique thing. They've got this big, beautiful backyard and a deck that works perfectly as a stage. This incredible area for people to come out, and they love music as much as any couple I've ever met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So, what did yeah. you want to say about that song? Oh, Are you going to oh, save just, chance for? Yeah, just the, it's just kind of funny because I, I wrote that song when I was kind of exiting this period of of uh, I, I, I dropped out of the trio and and quit my day job and just kind of committed to becoming sing, becoming you know focusing on the singing and songwriting. And, right. Um, yeah, which has been a decades long struggle and adventure but and it's great but i needed to do it but um but yeah but it's just kind of funny because last year was the first time i'd played that song in a long time um well you just, told I me what, what we were listening to yeah. you were done with it it was over oh yeah it was just i, I loved it until i didn't love it anymore right. you know because i did it too many times which is exactly what the whole song so why is would you about. take the risk of playing it again well because i knew that steve would bring something new to it and then uh yeah it was just kind of ironic that the that he came back and, and the vibes uh, literally well, and, and metaphorically and you've been playing forever yeah. and i think for a lot of people i mean and i'm not trying to bury the lead but steve <laughs> as many bands you've played with over the years these days you're best known as one of the main veins one of the main guys in the new standards right yeah i mean and the vibes add it we're going to talk about the new standards in a minute. Before we dive deep on them, I do want to check in with my friend sean because he's also a sponsor of the show in addition to being my ride or die just oh, kidding. Wow. Don't ever call me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> okay, call me, but early, man. I go to bed early, all right? No more 11 o'clock phone calls because I do not answer my phone that late at night. Sean is a friend. Uh, we co-own the business together, the podcast, and he's also a realtor for 50th and France, Edina Realty, and things are um, are still happening for you. You seem to be very busy these days. I am. We just sold uh, my friend Heather's place, our friend Heather's place for the oh, second time. Oh, I'm sorry, time. your friend Heather? Yeah, isn't that funny how <clears throat> that's happened? Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I but see please, her all the time now. Please continue, Sean. <laughs> please. Crazy. Yeah, the crazy market, it is indeed... Um, yeah, it's been really busy. I got to mention this because it's crazy, but I, I just asked these two gentlemen, I'm like, do you guys know my cousin, Michael Brennan? They're like, yeah, the trio we were talking about, <laughs> that was Michael that was in the trio. Oh, with really? Us. Yeah. yeah right there's, uh, there's there's a video out there, two of us playing. I think I think it was actually my last gig with y'all um, on Care 11. It's on, it's on our Facebook the event page for this, but it's, yeah, so you're, I don't know if you've seen that, but Michael is... I have. Yeah, yeah, okay. does, yeah, yeah. Does, does this me technically yeah. qualify then as nepotism? What's happening it right does. now? Our it guest does, in actually. Here? You have his I eyes. See. You have Michael's <laughs> eyes. You really do. Really. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Uh-oh. Exactly. Love my cousin. Anyway, and, and my cousin knows about this. With every buy and sell of a house, I donate a portion uh, of that to a local musician or band. And Michael gave me a big shout out on the social media for doing that because... He's a guy that in high school, you guys probably know, he was playing about 10 different instruments and uh, incredibly talented. And our whole family has been music fans for years. So if you know of somebody that's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. Is that number also textable? It is textable. All right. Just yeah. wanted to make sure. Yep. Leo textable. That's what we call Theo. 
Theo, god damn it, I almost you got so there. so close to a good dad joke Shit there. the bed on that <laughs> show. Did. I hate myself. Thanks, My dad. name is Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. <laughs> We're joined by Steve Rome and Ben and Glaros. <laughs> Together, they're known as Mustang 87. They got a gig coming up at the Astor. But before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit of new standards, Steve, if you don't mind. Back in the day, you were playing around a lot. I mean, both of you played with so many people and so many gigs I don't really even know how to kind of quantify it or put it into some sort of linear understanding, so I'm not going to try. Um, Steve, you, back in the day, end up playing along with Trip Shakespeare. Is that where you first meet no, John Munson? Uh, no, I... Well, um, you jammed with him. I, what happened was, I was in a group, after I got out of college, I joined a group called Billy Goat that was mm-hmm. big in Dallas, and then they reformed in Kansas. And are you playing drums at this point? You're playing, playing vibes. Drums. I'm okay. playing drums. All right, way, very good. way before my vibes career. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we got to open up for like the last two Trip Shakespeare shows. We okay. came in. It was Willie Wisely, us, and and them. And then um, I got to meet those guys, and then jammed with them a little on stage. And then when I eventually moved back to town, I ran into Matt Wilson at like the Thompson Dahlgren drum shop, but I couldn't. I didn't know who he was. Right. And then we we. St- we figured out how we knew each other, and then um, I ended up working with Matt for years. So, um, and Matt, Matt is wonderful. I've had him on this podcast a couple of times. Matt is quiet and a little bit inscrutable, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think that some of his lack of social dynamism can be perceived as reticence. But he's one of the most intelligent and interesting people I've ever talked oh, to in my entire absolutely. life. Absolutely. Again, not that people would think otherwise based on his creative output and that sort of thing, but he really is sort of a shy and retiring type, you know, mm-hmm. which might, might you think, really, this guy? And then he does what he does, and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah. And so you met Matt first. How does it come to pass that you become uh, literally one of the triad of the new standards? Um, so Matt, when I was working with Matt, um, Matt and John... John Munson were still roommates, and then Semisonic took off, and I was working with Matt, and we shared rehearsal space with Semisonic. And then, so uh, is this around Burnt White and Blue, or is this, this post is burnt, before? Yeah, this is right, Burnt White and Blue. Bur- this is Burnt White and Blue. Like right. The album came out, and then I joined his band, and I ended up playing like an electric vibraphone for a year or two, and then I ended up moving to drums and all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But I so I knew John. And then I ended up, um, I did a little work for Chan, but I got hired by McPhail, uh, I suppose, I don't even know when that was, um, 2003, and I took over in this rock camp thing. They, McPhail was one yep. of the first people to have a rock camp, and Chan and a guy named Chris Osgood were kind of the ring. Uh, a guy named Chris <laughs> Osgood? I'm sorry, Suicide Commander? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Hello, hello. <laughs> so... I got to be the drum guy in a part of this. Um, McPhail, you know, it's a week-long rock camp. Right. There's like five faculty members. And then that's how I met Chan. So at the end of that um, summer or whatever, I think Chan got offered through McPhail like a, a, it was called Bach's Lunch Series. It's like Bach, the composer. Oh. And then um, Chan and John are avid golfers and they golfed a lot together. And they would get together and just play some music. And then um, when he got offered this um, gig, um, he I think he reached out to John, and they were like, well, let's make it into like a trio or something. Who? And they threw around some names. My name got mentioned. They said, yeah, let's do that. And we played this gig in, like in September. And then ever since then, you know, we, we, it, we had this gig, and we played a lot of jazz. Actually, mm. they were excited to come to me because they wanted to play some of these old jazz standards. Right. But then we also like, learned a Bowie tune and a replacements tune. It was kind of a mishmash of things. And then over a year, it kind of kind of formed into what it ultimately formed into. Right. So well, that, I mean, and, and for, for the, the rare person who's living in Iraq or living in a different city or country listening to this podcast, and the new standards have been staples here for how long? How, I mean, when, when do you, when, what do you consider 18 the beginning? Years. 18 years. Wow. wow, really? That's crazy, isn't it? And how long has the holiday show been the staple holiday show to go to? I think we've been doing it for, I think we've done 12 years at least. Holy cowboy. First, like first five years were at the Fitz, yep. and the last bunch have been all at the state. 
Yeah, I um, I I've seen a few of them, and there's been there's been moments where I mean, you go out to see live music, right? And you're like, these are talented people. This is going to be super fun. And then occasionally, you're left with your mouth hanging open, and that's happened to me every time I've gone to see them. Ben, you have had a rock journey where you played guitar with a tremendous number of people in town. You also, because you're a kind soul, and she insisted I say hello to you on the podcast, taught my daughter her rudimentary guitar Aww. skills, uh, and she said, you better make sure you tell that guy I love him. I'm like, of course I'm going to. Oh, so there you are. Abby, back yeah. at you. No, she's the best. And, um, you know, so you have done this for a very long time. Before we got started, so... Sean's told the story before that from local artist Tim Mahoney, he's like, you guys want a painting I have of the cover of Let It Be album cover? We're like, sure. Thinking like, it's our own little smart start MN studio. We can hang shit on the wall wherever you like. It literally takes up an entire wall in the studio. But you pointed at Bob Stinson and told me that you had an interaction with him that I would very much like to hear recounted, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was an impactful little, little moment there. So I, I was in a band called Second Nature in the early 90s. Uh, with Bob's wife uh, at the time, Carlene, and uh, we did a gig at the Uptown, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Bob Bob was there, sitting in my favorite booth, right in the very front booth, just whatever. And I know I, that booth. Okay, yeah, <laughs> over on the uh, right side, over by the by the by the yep, stage, yep. and it's the booth right there along the glass divider oh, yeah. between the restaurant yep, and the bar. If you can get that booth, I don't know what iPhone it's. It doesn't matter. Now, but, there, there's, I've, I've watched Oasis from that. Oh booth. wow, sweet. Yeah, so anyway, go back so, to your yeah, story. Yeah, so, I, so I'm, I, we we did this gig, and of course I'm, you know, I was a huge replacements fan, and um, uh, and you know, Bob is sitting there listening, so I was a little, little intimidated, but um, but after the gig, I, I went up to him and you know, just kind of was looking for feedback, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I really like your plan, but you got to wipe out more." And I'm like, "What?" And he he just made this. Now before you yeah, even explain yeah. what that means. To me, that sounds like the quintessential Bob Stinson thing to say. Oh, yeah. Like, just, dude, you're doing great, but you got to wipe out more. Like, n- no reason. Mike Brady's never going to tell yeah. his kids, you got to wipe out yeah, more, yeah, right? right? I mean, but he's like, rock and roll. And, and and so what do you think he meant by wipe out more? Well, he had to explain it to me because I, I looked at him kind of funny, and he, he, did it, <laughs> he did it mostly with his hand gestures, which I can't do on the radio or podcast. But but he uh, was like, you know, when you're playing something just... Um, you know, really nice and melodic, and then you, you go crazy and chromatic, and then you land back on a sweet note. And but it was it was mostly the hands that explained yeah. it for me. Um, and I was like, oh yeah. I mean, it seriously was revelatory because I, I realized that's uh, something that was missing from my music. I was you know pretty studied and careful, and uh, you know, but I but I was kind of missing you know just the feeling of just having the courage to kind of go out on a limb, and you know, kind of realized that that's you know a lot of my favorite musicians, Coltrane. Neil Young, Jimi Hendrix—they uh-huh. all—that's that's the magic. They're gonna—they're not afraid to make mistakes. Well, and I, I, what I love about people who both took a proper education towards their music, like both of you, is I feel like a foundation is crucial, right? And then you have to decide. All right, now that I've got a baseline, how am I going to make it weird? How am I going to make it different? How am I? It doesn't always have to be explosive and psychedelic, right? But you have to find a way to a keep it interesting for you, and b do something that puts you a little outside of your comfort zone. Again, I feel like this is one of those one of those recommendations that no matter what you do for a living, don't do the same goddamn thing every day, right? And like maybe say yes to something you're like I'm not at all qualified to do this. Yep. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm I'm going to I mean, you know, having music theory degrees and being an accomplished and practiced musician is something, but I love that recommendation right there oh, because yeah. you don't want it to be an absolute replacement shit show. That's I don't think that's what he meant. No. I think he meant you know, like a surfer, ride the high end of the wave and then come back in before the whole thing crashes on yep. top of you. Steve, what's the most dangerous you've ever felt playing live music? This upcoming gig. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're yeah. going to talk about next. Perfect segue. Thank you very much. The two of these gentlemen together, Ben and Steve, are Mustang 87, and they've got a gig at the Aster a week from, well, technically tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to it, but it's Saturday, August 27th, and we'll talk about the potential of crash and burn momentarily, <gasps> but first, yet another song. What are we going to hear? The list is right here. You guys pick one. Yeah, I'd say pick one of yours. Uh, all right. Um, let's do a uh, haven't got a clue.
It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 266. I've got one more question for each of you before we talk about Mustang 87 and the upcoming gig at the Aster. Steve, for you first, um, you obviously, based on that song, let alone the many other things you've done, have an appreciation for the rock and the pop form. Also, anyone who's seen you do your work at what you do, your appreciation of jazz is also very deep. And those worlds don't necessarily, the Venn diagram can vary as to how much they Mm -hmm. cross over, right? Where I mean, do you like to find the sweet spot between the two? Like when you're doing your poppiest pop song you can do, does jazz ever leave your mind or vice versa? Or is it all sort of sort of the same palette? It's all mixed together. Yeah? I would say um, I've been lucky to kind of uh, ride ride that thin line of pop and jazz uh, like in a great way, like with the new standards. Right. Because like if you listen to my playing, I think uh, like a, a true jazzer would get, bored with my playing because I only got a handful of licks. Um, but a person that's listening to pop music, it sounds very exciting. Right. So, and I, I'm a big believer in, um, I mean, I like listening to jazz and stuff, but I get a little bored with it. I like a story like most people like listen to a lyricist. So I've gotten lucky because I work with two of the best, you know, singers in town and they tell great stories. And then when it comes to, you know, like the point where there might be a guitar solo, I can take all the elements of jazz and kind of cram them into like a pop place and it creates kind of a, a, a new place for a solo to reside or, or you know, it just a, it's a, a sound that has the sensibilities of jazz, but it comes from kind of a place of rock, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, like for me, and again, I'm not making a direct apples to apples analogy, but when I was a kid, a teenager, hardcore was cool, man, right? Like, we wanted to fucking rock out. We wanted to lose it. But the only hardcore that appealed to me was Husker Du because they, they never lost a sense of melody. There was always yeah, melody yeah. in there. And jazz, I to admit, I'm just not smart enough. It often confounds me. And so when you see someone rocking the vibes properly, you're like, oh, jazz guy. But there's always a lick in there. There's always a hook in there. And for me, that's what pop music and rock music yeah. is about. 
if I don't get my hook, then I'm not really like, then we're following the lead and I'm lost on some deep mm-hmm. gravy, crazy train that's yeah. going on. And I don't get it. That's why I asked because you find that sweet spot in there. And I just, you know, I wonder, is it, is it, it, it just, it's a constant tug of war or it's just all part of the same thing that you like to do. I think it's all part of the same thing for sure. Let me ask you a question, Ben. You've played with too many bands for me even to start to begin to mention. <laughs> so instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention that gorgeous. Is it a French bulldog? <laughs> Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupiter J, yeah, yeah, no, Jupiter J, who I've met many, many times, and I used to have a cat named Jupiter, so we bonded over that when we first met long ago. Did Jupiter actually chomp a vole the other day? Yes, he did. So he's, for people who don't know, a, a, yeah. a mole is a, something that lives under the ground, and so is a vole, but voles are a little smaller and weirder, aren't they? Uh, the one vole I've seen was dead. And oh, it was mangled. Was, was, yeah. yeah. Not, Aren't they kind of yeah. mean? Don't they got a, like, a little sharp set of teeth? Uh, not, not by the time Jupiter was No, Jupiter's not. Yeah. How, how was Jupiter's vole breath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate to say, but about, about the usual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The two of you have known each other for, again, I'm not going to ask you to age yourselves, but let's just say it's been a minute. If you were both <laughs> freshmen together in high school, it, Back in the early 80s, it's been Ray, a minute, right? Our, we we knew each other when Reagan got shot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's for real, right? I mean, yeah. we're all sort of in the same age group yep. here. I get that. Now, together, you are Mustang 87. Does that name go back anywhere, or is that the name of the new get-together? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I'll, I'll say it. Um, we both graduated from Moundsview High School in 1987. Oh, shit. I'm and they're the Mustangs. Guys. And uh, our high school mascot was the Mustang. Oh, my so. gosh. I was going to guess that. So, <laughs> if, if, so if I started a band with someone I went to school with, I'd have to call myself Cardinal 86? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Mine would be Mustang that. 89 because I graduated from uh, Dobson High School in Mesa, Arizona, but we were the Mustangs as yeah. well. Wow. Class of 89. All right, well, so it's no Cardinal 86, but Mustang 87. <laughs> so did that ever come to pass back in the day, or is this a brand new creation? Can, can I say where it kind of evolved from? Um, Please. Back in the late winter, early spring. Um, of this year. Of this year, or sure. even, let's just proceed back. I've got a girlfriend in... Um, she is friends with Ben's wife. We've we kind of got together a couple times, and they really like each other. So yeah. we get together as um, you know a foursome. They'd like socially, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. And we we were like, oh, we should just get together and play some music. And so for a couple months there, on Fridays we would just get together. And for a while, I was like, Ben was like, I'd love to really kind of dust off the jazz guitar. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'd really like to play some jazz drums because that's what I went to school for. So right. we, we hired a bass player to come in and play with us and we were recording. We did that for a month and then we just we we just kept getting together and just like, let's not have an agenda. Let's just have some fun. And there was something in that. It was just like, you know, showing up and just like, hey, I got this idea or we would just kind of scramble and then come up with we just make music yeah. and it, it was very reminiscent of like being in the garage drinking mountain dews like mm-hmm. it kind of like <laughs> with no uh kind of forced parameters around it like oh we got to get this ready for a no show. pressure it was yeah. fun it was just fun totally. so then um ben started to talk about hey do you want to do another um duet show like we did last year because it was it was it was a good time it was um, another reason we got together it was fun to learn ben's songs and i said well i would like to do that but I was kind of Ben's side man because uh, he's, he's been playing solo and I kind of came in and kind of, um, you know, kind of added to his thing. I said, well, if we're going to do this, I would rather not be your side man and have equal stake in like I would like to play some of my songs. And Ben was like, yeah, let's do it. So that's kind of where it, it's kind of evolved from. We It, it kind of started from a a fun place and now it's just pure misery <laughs> <laughs> uh, you brought well, it upon uh, yourself no. once, once it becomes real and once there are gigs oh, yeah. all of a sudden that other stuff goes out the window but oh, i do absolutely. like, what you, I, I, like you know, what you had to say i gotta say that that's so classic though that it's just the, the way the way things work is that you're like oh that'll be fun and then the next thing you know fluff Fuck! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now I have to wait, practice it's this. Work, what have uh, I done? And holy shit, we are now just a week away. Uh, which, um, I mean, but you you do bring up a good point, Steve. In that it's you reach a certain age, and there are things we all have to do things to pay the bills, right? We all have to do things mm-hmm. to promote ourselves, build the brand, 
do a podcast, whatever the case may be. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Um, yes, I do. But, you know, you you also reach a certain age where you're like, if this doesn't give something back to me. Now, the, the thing I hate more than anything is going to see a band, and they're clearly just playing for themselves. They're doing some deep Steely Dan cover that you've never heard of because they love to play it, and nobody in the audience gives a shit. But you have to you have to be happy. It has to feel good if you're going to do something like Mustang 87. So... Ben, tell me, I mean, at what point, who brings up the name Mustang 87? That would be Steve. Yeah? Yeah. Just like you were feeling nostalgic well, because I, you both went to school together? I don't know. I, I, just, I, just, I, I don't know where it came from. I just was just kind of thinking, brainstorming, and I was like, you know, it's kind of like what you say, it's kind of these non sequiturs. Well, and I, and I like that there, there's a connection. Some people might get it. Of course, all our old, you know, high school people get it immediately. But it also it leaves room, you know. There, there's it can become whatever, you know. Dude, growing up in Coon Rapids, dudes, the mean por- streets, dudes, por- the mean cul-de-sacs <laughs> of Coon Rapids. People pouring bleach on their tires in the high school parking lot and ripping out and smoking it out before they head out for the day. You're getting chased <laughs> by the officer, you. Kids, get out of here! That's what I think of when I hear Mustang '87. You're playing. You're playing at the Aster on Saturday, August 27th. Which, if you're listening to this when it comes out today on Friday, the 19th. Yeah, that, that sound sounds right. right. Okay, yeah. very good. I got. I was close. Yeah, I, look at that. It's actually the 19th. Um, so it's a week away. Now, are you like? Are you guys ready to go? If all of a sudden you found out the gig was tonight, are you good to go? Or are you going to mm-hmm. be? Are you going to be doing basically cramming for an exam oh, this entire week? I'm cramming. We're crammers. <laughs> yeah. We know. We know we can do it. It's a little unsettling that we haven't done it yet, but uh, trust us, yeah. we'll. There's. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> ben has a lot of experience singing and playing solo. Um, I wasn't put on the earth to sing. I can I can like record in my basement in yep. the comfort of my basement. That was all him, by the way. That the recording. That, that recording is all me. Everything. But That's awesome. um, so um, I haven't sang on stage since in 19 years. I figured out because I used to have a band called Rhombus and it was Shape more like rock. it was more rock and stuff. So uh, I don't know how people sing. So when for, I asked you what's the biggest chance you've ever taken or the, you literally, when you said this upcoming gig at the Aster, it's a pretty big you're chance. not joking man, this is almost 20 years. Yeah. I yeah. mean, your leg is shaking Good right now. You. I'm watching you, I'm watching <laughs> yeah, you vibrate across the way. No, um, no, I mean, it's, it's alright. I mean, you're a seasoned musician. You've been well, in front of giant crowds before and I know yes. that singing is different than playing. I understand that very well. And again, but the Aster is one of those sort of comforting and closing environments and everyone who comes down there is yeah. going to know who you are. Yeah. You couldn't play for a friendlier audience. No, this is true. And um, part part of the, um, the, the, the kind of complicating thing of it is, is we're playing as a duet. So I'm creating some backing tracks for us to play with. And then we've hired um, Ken Chastain, who's a drummer, mm. to kind of come in. So that's kind of the tricky thing because we wanted to make it kind of this sh- small and quaint. But it's... I um, Ben's songs work really well stripped down, and mine might, but I I can't see it yet. So I got to kind of like beef them up and add drums and this and that. So Steve, I'm gonna give, I'm just gonna say one last thing, and I'm by no means am I ever gonna give advice to an actual musician. <laughs> You've got eight fucking days. All right, figure yeah. out. All right, you've got eight fucking days know, to get this uh, shit together. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, so come, come come watch me crash and burn, right? Yeah, zero. Yeah. There is literally zero percent chance that's the case. Uh, you need, sometimes you need you need a deadline, and that this. I mean, because we had kind of talked, you know, conceptually about like, oh, it'd be fun to do something like this, and then you know, having having a deadline has been good, and yeah, and it, it's you know, it's not like our only shot at it. So yeah, hardly, it's, it's, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be shooting from the hip a little. No, but it's but but sometimes that's where, like you know, doing radio for as long as I have, you try to prep, right? You want things to be ready to go. You want to know what you're doing. You need to have a framework in place. Otherwise, it will be a proper shit show, right? But there are going to be unscripted moments, and oh, some yeah. of them will be uncomfortable. Some of them will be awkward, and then some of them are going to be this impossible sparkle yes. that yes. comes out of nowhere Absolutely. that yeah, you, you could not have crafted despite all of your best intentions. Yeah. And that's kind of the joy of, well, A, being alive, but B, performing or doing whatever it is you do to pursue pursue your muse. Those moments you can't script, you know, you wish there were more of them, but man, when they come along, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And as you and I have said many times, it's really about authenticity more than anything. Does the audience believe you? And you guys 
Absolutely, they'll believe yeah. you. I, I yeah. think they're going to have a good time. Yeah. It's, but it's not without a little, like, I'm I'm trying to frame this as a, for me, not to get uh, uptight about it and go, you know, I'm just going to present what I am, the best that I can do it at that moment. Uh, it's But it's just, you know, it's slowly as you get closer to the gig, it starts <laughs> to get a little daunting, like, oh, my gosh, I thought I had this. I don't even know how my song goes, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's all, it's all good. It's got me... Uh, Showing up and working on some stuff that I, I haven't done that in a while, like Love kind it. of taking, you know, so it's, I'm starting to get a workflow. It's, it's got me thinking about the future, you know, uh, we're constantly having to kind of reinvent ourselves as we get older as artists. And I, you know, I don't know how long, you know, any opportunity is going to last anymore. You know, the new standards could play our last holiday show this year. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. So you've kind of got to have, um, um, other things kind of lined up to do it. And then one other thing for me that I thought about is like, I can't think about monetizing this right? because I'm always working, trying to monetize it. And I think, well, we all still have to have a place to live and food to eat. Right. I mean, yeah. even if that's not your primary motivator, it's something that has to be in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about that all the time, but I'm, I'm hoping to kind of keep it this innocent fun thing that, um, doesn't create me stress. Yeah, well, and that's totally what what is appealing about it for me too. Is that I've been doing the solo thing for so long, and and I have been really kind of like always thinking about the next step and what do I have to do next, you know, uh, strategically to you know keep climbing this ladder. But as soon as we started playing together in the basement, it was just back to okay. I don't, I don't even care if we never do leave the basement. This is just fun. Yeah. And uh, and but then the you know it became fun to the point where it seemed fun to do it, it with other like people. So, yeah. Some of, so it's some I just like see it. it staying like that. I I also I mean I got to say that the, I've been hearing these tunes of yours for for quite a while and uh, it's I just think it's gonna be really fun to get them out to the public and that's and, good uh, and I appreciate okay. you being a champion and like uh like pushing pushing me that way. Cause no, it's I, not. I, yeah, it's not just because you're my friend either. It's because no, it's quality but stuff. It's, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, like I I, I I've I've some of these songs I wrote. First love song I wrote when I married Jody back in 1999. No one's ever heard it. Wild. I think that's Are amazing. Are we going to play man. that as our last song? What's the last oh, song? Oh, um, I wasn't trying to sneak in. On no, 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 no. But before we get to the last song, we got to thank a couple people. I got to sure. thank the audio equip people. I got to thank Sean Bernard. I have to thank everybody who's ever been a Patreon member. We are slowly but surely working on what is going to be a kick-ass Patreon benefit event as we get into the autumn. Uh, it's slowly coming together and yep. it's juicy right now. So, Patreon members, thank you for your patience. Anybody who's ever listened, subscribed, shared, amplified anything for this show, we've been doing it a long time. And I, much like Ben just said, when you know, like you didn't even realize or care if it was going to turn into anything, you were enjoying yourself. It's come to that point. There are days where I'm like, Oh, it's the end of the week. Do I need one? I really want to do another fucking podcast. <laughs> but then you get in here and you start having a conversation, you meet new people, you learn more about music, you get to hear new music. It's always thrilling by the end of it, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm glad when it's done, but <laughs> I always enjoy it when it happens. So, before we cut you loose, I want to ask each of you one last question before we hear our final song i know that the two of you are together as mustang 87 at the aster on august 27th but what's ground zero for each of you if people want to find out the music you've created and what you do one place you would send people online to find your creative output that might even put just a little extra walking around money in your pocket <laughs> wow real quiet on both wow. ends there no uh, okay um <laughs> Benglaros.com. Pretty, okay. pretty straightforward for me. Well, B-E-N-G-L-A-R-O-S.com. Right. Mine is steverome.org. S-T-E-V-R-O-E-H-M. And people can find out probably not only about Mustang 87, but everything else either of you might be involved or up to. And you can probably find them both under their own names all over social media. Um, I like both you gentlemen very much. And it's very kind to have, uh, it's very kind. The Smart Start MN Studios are a humble place, but Sean and I really like talking to people here about the people that populate and inform and frankly, culture our community. So Mm -hmm. it's very nice to have both of you come in. Thank you. Um, so the big show, we've already talked about it. Tell me about this song and we're going to call it a podcast. What's the last song going to be? Is it going to be, I don't, I, I don't, well, I, <clears throat> I got one called celebrated summer teeth, which is short. Let's do that. And one. we're doing it. We are doing it. This is, this is a, a trio recording. Um, 
Yeah, Paul Boblin on bass, Billy Thomas on drums. But we'll, this is super fun with Steve on vibes. And uh, and this one is started off just kind of fucking around with words. Celebrated summer, who's going to do song, Summer Teeth, Wilco song. But it um, over the course of writing it, it kind of kind of became something different. And uh, I was kind of influenced by my wife, Angel, who was a painter. Instagram, at Angel Wagner Art, <laughs> by the way. Well, um, but she she starts a project, and often it becomes something different by the time we finish it. And this the lyrics to this song are definitely that. It kind of ended up being more about getting older, but staying young, and so kind of ties in with just how I'm feeling right now, playing with Steve and stuff. So cool. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. 